Chapter Nine of At the Foot of the Rainbow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. At the Foot of the Rainbow by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter Nine. When Jimmy Malone came to confession. Danny never before had known such anger as possessed him when he trudged homeward across Rainbow Bottom. His brain whirled in a tumult of conflicting passions, and his heart pained worse than his swelling face. In one instant the knowledge that Jimmy had struck him possessed him with a desire to turn back and do murder. In the next, a sense of profound scorn for the cowardly lie which had driven him to the rage that kills encompassed him. And then, in a surge, came compassion for Jimmy at the remembrance of the excuse he had offered for saying that thing. How childish! But how like Jimmy! What was the use in trying to deal with him as if he were a man? A great, spoiled, selfish baby was all he ever would be. The fallen leaves rustled about Danny's feet. The blackbirds above him in chattering debate discussed migration. A stiff breeze swept the fields, topped the embankment, and rushed down, circling about Danny, and setting his teeth chattering, for he was almost as wet as if he had been completely immersed. As the chill struck in, from force of habit he thought of Jimmy. If he was ever going to learn how to take care of himself, a man past thirty-five should know. Would he come home and put on dry clothing? But when had Jimmy taken care of himself? Danny felt that he should go back, bring him home, and make him dress quickly. A sharp pain shot across Danny's swollen face. His lips shut firmly. No, Jimmy had struck him, and Jimmy was in the wrong. The fish was his, and he had a right to it. No man living would have given it up to Jimmy, after he had changed poles, and slipped away with a boy and gotten those minnows too, and wouldn't offer him even one. Much good they had done him. Caught a catfish on a dead one. Wonder if he would take the catfish to town and have its picture taken. Mighty fine fish, too, that channel cat. If it hadn't been for the black bass, they would have wondered and exclaimed over it and carefully weighed it and commented on the gamey fight it made. Just the same as he was glad that he landed the bass. And he got it fairly. If Jimmy's old catfish mixed up with his line, he could not help that. He baited, hooked, played, and landed the bass all right, and without any minnows either. When he reached the top of the hill, he realized that he was going to look back. In spite of Jimmy's selfishness, in spite of the blow, in spite of the ugly lie, Jimmy had been his lifelong partner and his only friend, and stiffen his neck as he would, Danny felt his head turning. He deliberately swung his fish-pole into the bushes, and when it caught, as he knew it would, he set down his load, and turned as if to release it. Not a sight of Jimmy anywhere. Danny started on. Where are you, Jimmy Malone? A thin, little, wiry thread of a cry that seemed to come twisting, as if wrung from the chill air about him, whispered in his ear, and Danny jumped, dropped his load, and ran for the river. He couldn't see any sign of Jimmy. He hurried over the shaky little bridge they had built. 
the catfish lay gasping on the grass the case and jointed rod lay on a log but jimmy was gone danny gave the catfish a shove that sent it well into the river and ran for the shoals at the lower curve of horseshoe bend the tracks of jimmy's crossing were plain and after him hurried danny he ran up the hill and as he reached the top he saw jimmy climb on a wagon out on the road danny called but the farmer touched up his horses and trotted away without hearing him the fool to ride thought danny no he will chill to the bone danny cut across the fields to the lane and gathered up his load with the knowledge that jimmy had started for town came the thought of mary what was he going to say to her he would have to make a clean breast of it and he did not like the showing in fact he simply could not make a clean breast of it tell her he could not tell her he would lie to her once more this one time for himself he would tell her he fell in the river to account for his wet clothing and bruised face and wait until jimmy came home and see what he told her he went to the cabin and tapped at the door there was no answer so he opened it and set the lunch basket inside then he hurried home built a fire bathed and put on dry clothing he wondered where mary was he was ravenously hungry now he did all the evening work and as she still did not come he concluded that she had gone to town and that jimmy knew she was there of course that was it jimmy could get dry clothing of his brother-in-law to be sure mary had gone to town that was why jimmy went and he was right mary had gone to town when sense slowly returned to her she sat up in the bushes and stared about her then she arose and looked toward the river the men were gone mary guessed the situation rightly they were too much of river men to drown in a few feet of water they scarcely would kill each other they had fought and danny had gone home and jimmy to the consolation of cases where should she go mary malone's lips set in a firm line it's the truth it's the truth she panted over and over and now that there was no one to hear she found that she could say it quite plainly as the sense of her outraged womanhood swept over her she grew almost deliriously i hope you killed him danny mcnown she raved i hope you killed him for if you didn't i will oh oh she was almost suffocating with rage the only thing clear to her was that she never again would live an hour with jimmy malone he might have gone home probably he did for dry clothing she would go to her sister she hurried across the bottom with wavering knees she climbed the embankment then skirting the fields she half walked half ran to the village and selecting back streets and alleys tumbled half distracted into the home of her sister holy virgin screamed katie dolan whatever to be ailing you mary malone jimmy jimmy sobbed the shivering mary i knew it i knew it i've expected it for years cried katie they've had a fight just what i look for i always told you they were too thick to last and jimmy told danny he'd lied to me and married me himself he did i saw him do it screamed katie and danny tried to kill him i hope to heaven he got it done for if any man ever needed killing a cop's named jimmy malone would a looked good to me any time these fifteen years i always said 
and he took it back just like the red devil i knew he'd do it and of course that mutton-head of a danny mcnown believed him whatever he said of course he did i knew it didn't i say so first and i tried to scream and my tongue stuck sure you poor lamb my tongue always sticks that's what i expected and me head just went round and i keeled over in the bushes i've told dolan a thousand times i knew it it's no news to me and when i came to they were gone and i don't know where and i don't care but i won't go back i won't go back i'll not live with him another day oh katie think how you'd feel if someone had separated you and dolan before you'd even been together katie dolan gathered her sister into her arms you poor lamb she wailed i've known every word of this for fifteen years and if i'd had the least idea twas so i'd have busted jimmy malone to smithereens before it ever happened i won't go back i won't go back raved mary i guess you won't go back cried katie patting every available spot on mary or making dashes at her own eyes to stop the flow of tears i guess you won't go back you'll stay right here with me i've always wanted you i always said i'd love to have you i've told them from the start there was something wrong out there i've expected you every day for years and i never was so surprised in all my life as when you came now don't you shed another tear the lord knows this is enough for anybody none at all would be too many for jimmy malone you get right into bid and i'd make you a cup of rid pepper tay to take the chill out of you and if jimmy malone comes round to this house i'll have him out with the poker and if danny mcnown comes south satterin after him i'll stretch him out too yis and if dolan's got anything to say he can take his medicine like the wrist the men are all of a pace anyhow i've always said it if i wouldn't like to get me fingers on that haven never going to confession spending everything on himself you needed for decent living let him come just let him come thus forestalled with knowledge and overwhelmed with kindness mary malone cuddled up in bed and sobbed herself to sleep and katie dolan assured her as long as she was conscious that she always had known it and if jimmy malone came near she had the poker ready danny did the evening work when he milked he drank most of it but that only made him hungrier so he ate the lunch he had brought back from the river as he sat before a roaring fire his heart warmed with his body irresponsible jimmy always had aroused something of the paternal instinct in danny someone had to be responsible so danny had been some way he felt responsible now with another man like himself it would have been man to man but he always had spoiled jimmy now who was to blame that he was spoiled danny was very tired his face throbbed and ached painfully and it was a sight to see his bed never had looked so inviting and never had the chance to sleep been further away with a sigh he buttoned his coat twisted an old scarf around his neck and started for the barn there was going to be a black frost the cold seemed to pierce him he hitched to the single buggy and drove into town he went to casey's and asked for jimmy he isn't here said casey has he been here asked danny casey hesitated and then blurted out he said you wasn't his keeper and if you came after him to tell you to go to hell then danny was sure that jimmy was in the back room drying his clothing so he drove to mrs dolan's and asked if mary were there for the night mrs dolan said she was 
and she was going to stay and he might tell jimmy malone that he need not come near them unless he wanted his head laid open she shut the door forcibly danny waited until casey closed at eleven and to his astonishment jimmy was not among the men who came out that meant that he had drunk lightly after all slipped from the back door and gone home and yet would he do it after what he had said about being afraid if he had not drank heavily he would not go into the night alone when he had been afraid in the daytime danny climbed from the buggy once more and patiently searched the alley and the street leading to the footpath across farms no jimmy then danny drove home stabled his horse and tried jimmy's back door it was unlocked if jimmy were there he probably would be lying across the bed in his clothing and danny knew that mary was in town he made a light and cautiously entered the sleeping room intending to undress and cover jimmy but jimmy was not there danny's mouth fell open he put out the light and stood on the back steps the frost had settled in a silver sheen over the roofs of the barns and the sheds and a scum of ice had frozen over a tub of drippings at the well danny was bitterly cold he went home and hunted out his winter overcoat lighted his lantern picked up a heavy cudgel in the corner and started to town on foot over the path that lay across the fields he followed it to casey's back door he went to mrs dolan's again but everything was black and silent there there had been evening trains he thought of jimmy's frequent threat to go away he dismissed that thought grimly there had been no talk of going away lately and he knew that jimmy had little money danny started for home and for a rod on either side he searched the path as he came to the back of the barns he rated himself for not thinking of them first he searched both of them and all around them and then wholly tired and greatly disgusted he went home and to bed he decided that jimmy had gone over to mrs dolan's and that kindly woman had relented and taken him in of course that was where he was danny was up early in the morning he wanted to have the work done before mary and jimmy came home he fed the stock milked built a fire and began cleaning the stables as he wheeled the first barrow of manure to the heap he noticed a rooster giving danger signals behind the straw stack at the second load it was still there and danny went to see what alarmed it jimmy lay behind the stack where he had fallen face down and as danny tried to lift him he saw that he would have to cut him loose for he had frozen fast in the muck of the barnyard he had pitched forward among the rough cattle and horse tracks and fallen within a few feet of the entrance to a deep hollow eaten out of the straw by the cattle had he reached that shelter he would have been warm enough and safe for the night horrified danny whipped out his knife cut jimmy's clothing and carried him to his bed he covered him and hitching up drove at top speed for a doctor he sent the physician ahead and then rushed to mrs dolan's she saw him drive up and came to the door send mary home and ye come too danny called before she had time to speak jimmy lay out till last night and i'm afraid he's dead mrs dolan hurried in and repeated the message to mary she sat speechless while her sister bustled about putting on her wraps i ain't going she said shortly if i got sight of him i'd kill him if he wasn't dead oh yes you are going said katie dolan if he's dead you know 
It will save you being hanged for killing him. Get on these things of mine and hurry. You got to go for decency's sake. And keep a still tongue in your head. Danny McNown is waiting for us. Together they went out and climbed into the carriage. Mary said nothing, but Danny was too miserable to notice. "'You didn't find him, then, last night?' asked Mrs. Dolan. "'Nah,' shivered Danny. "'I was in town twice. I hunted almost all night. "'At last I made sure you had taken him in, and I went to bed. "'It was three o'clock, then. I must have passed often within a few yards of him.' "'Where was he?' asked Katie. "'Behind the straw stack,' replied Danny. "'Do you think he will die?' "'D,' cried Danny. "'Jimmy D. Oh, my God!' We mauna let him. Mrs. Dolan took a furtive peep at Mary, who, dry-eyed and white, was staring straight ahead. She was trembling and very pale, but if Katie Dolan knew anything, she knew that her sister's face was unforgiving, and she did not in the least blame her. Danny reached home as soon as the horse could take them, and under the doctor's directions all of them began work. Mary did what she was told, but she did it deliberately and if Danny had taken time to notice her, he would have seen anything but his idea of a woman facing death for anyone she had ever loved. Mary's hurt went so deep. Mrs. Dolan had trouble to keep it covered. Some of the neighbours said Mary was cold-hearted, and some of them that she was stupefied with grief. Without stopping for food or sleep, Danny nursed Jimmy. He rubbed, he bathed, he poulticed, he badgered the doctor and cursed his inability to do some good. To everyone except Danny, Jimmy's case was hopeless from the first. He developed double pneumonia in its worst form, and he was in no condition to endure it in the lightest. His laboured breathing could be heard all over the cabin, and he could speak only in gasps. On the third day he seemed a little better, and when Danny asked what he could do for him, Father Michael, Jimmy panted, and clung to Danny's hand. Danny sent a man and remained with Jimmy. He made no offer to go when the priest came. This is probably in the nature of a last confession, said Father Michael to Danny. I shall have to ask you to leave us alone. Danny felt the hand that clung to him relax, and the perspiration broke on his temple. Shall I go, Jimmy? he asked. Jimmy nodded. Danny arose heavily and left the room. He sat down outside the door and rested his head in his hands. The priest stood beside Jimmy. The doctor tells me it is difficult for you to speak, he said. I will help you all I can. I will ask questions, and you need only assent with your head or hand. Do you wish the last sacrament administered, Jimmy Malone? The sweat rolled off Jimmy's brow. He assented. Do you wish to make a final confession? A great groan shook Jimmy. The priest remembered a gay, laughing boy flinging back a shock of auburn hair, his feet twinkling in the lead of the dance. Here was ruin to make the heart of compassion ache. The father bent and clasped the hand of Jimmy firmly. The question he asked was between Jimmy Malone and his God. The answer almost strangled him. Can you confess that mortal sin, Jimmy? asked the priest. The drops on Jimmy's face merged in one bath of agony. His hands clenched, and his breath seemed to go no lower than his throat. Lied, Danny, he rattled. Separate him and Mary. 
are you trying to confess that you betrayed a confidence of Danny McNown and married the girl who belonged to him yourself? Jimmy assented. His horrified eyes hung on the priest's face and saw it turn cold and stern. Always the thing he had done had tormented him, but not until the last summer had he begun to realize the depth of it, and it had almost unseated his reason. But not until now had come fullest appreciation, and Jimmy read it in the eyes filled with repulsion above him. And with that sin on your soul, you ask the last sacrament and the seal of forgiveness. You have not wronged God and the Holy Catholic Church as you have this man, with whom you have lived for years, while you possessed his rightful wife. Now he is here, in deathless devotion, fighting to save you. You may confess to him. If he will forgive you, God and the Church will ratify it, and set the seal on your brow. If not, you die unshriven. I will call Danny McNown. One gurgling howl broke from the swollen lips of Jimmy. As Danny entered the room, the priest spoke a few words to him, stepped out and closed the door. Danny hurried to Jimmy's side. He said you want to tell me something, said Danny. What is it? Do you want me to do anything for you? Suddenly, Jimmy struggled to a sitting posture. His popping eyes almost burst from their sockets as he clutched Danny with both hands. The perspiration poured in little streams down his dreadful face. Mary, the next word, was lost in a strangled gasp. Then came, yours, and then a queer rattle. Something seemed to give way. The devils, he shrieked, the devils have got me. Snap! His heart failed and Jimmy Malone went out to face his record, unforgiven by man and unshriven by priest. End of chapter 9